The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders, and today we're going to discuss the CMO's role in the age of AI. Joining me today is Amanda Cole, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Bloomreach, which is a longstanding leader in AI for e-commerce. Bloomreach is known for personalizing the shopping experience through its suite of innovative products, serving over 850 global brands. And today... Amanda and I are going to be talking about why CMOs will fail in the age of AI. Okay, here's my conversation with Amanda Cole, the Chief Marketing Officer at Bloomreach. I'm already depressed, Amanda. You've said (laughs) that CMOs are going to fail in the age of AI. I've got my resume out. I'm ready to go. Tell me what I need to do to find a real gig. Sorry. Okay, here we go. So uh, help us understand and anchor this idea of the CMO because I think it's been shifting quite a bit. So what is the CMO currently in your mind's eye in today's business landscape? And then I want to dig into really sort of this idea of AI and what that equals for you. Yeah, one of the things I love about the CMO role is the transitional element of it. We moved very much from brand and positioning and messaging into one where it was heavily data centric. It was very much focused on knowing and understanding the market. You started to see a surge of people with product marketing backgrounds, particularly in B2B SaaS, being promoted into the CMO role. On the customer side or the B2C side, you certainly see people with more of a revenue focus. And what does a performance marketing background look like where we're actually tied directly to moving from the story now tied directly to these performance-based data-driven marketers where it became a little bit less about storytelling. And now we're very much into it's got to be this much more analytical role. And certainly I fall into that category with a performance marketing background. And I love the application of business metrics and how do we think about how we're actually going to scale. But as we really think about how commonplace technology is becoming, and it's almost making it a level playing field, particularly as we're talking about AI, we're seeing the need to go back to this or not even go back, but really better incorporate storytelling and differentiation into our go-to-market exercises. 
You see this a lot on the B2C side even, where access to the customer, particularly when you think about COVID, you saw a lot of upcoming D2C brands gain ground where historically they wouldn't have had the opportunity because targeting, using AI to target in social media platforms has really, again, leveled the playing field from an ad spend perspective. So it's becoming much more about storytelling and connecting in an emotional way. And I think that that ultimately is the next evolution of the CMO role is being emotional with a super data oriented foundation. Easy. <laughs> what I'm hearing, and I have to say agree, the narrative, the brand, the storytelling was sort of bred out of us over time over the last 20 years, right? It became entirely about your ability to manage the unit economics well. Exactly. And that's changing. We need to be able to go back to our ability to tell great stories. Okay. Makes sense. I'm a little less depressed. Amanda, thank you for that. <laughs> When we're talking about the age of AI, and we know how fluid this is, right? I think things changed since we started recording this episode, by the way, with AI. But give us what that context is in the broader scope of marketing technology. What is the age of AI for you? Yeah, I mean, AI has been around for a really long time. And we as marketers have been lied to by technology companies for a really long time about what AI is going to do. And it's like, really, at the end of the day, what you're automating is not intelligent. And it's not at all helpful. And please do not walk into my office and talk to me about AI. But what ChatGPT has done is the most genius thing they could have done was they made it understandable and accessible to an average human being. So even though there's not a technological understanding of the AI itself, there's an understanding of the influence and impact that it could have. Where that's dangerous is that all of a sudden consumers are saying, if I can have a conversation with this thing and it knows all of this, why would these huge tech companies and these brands and all these other tools not be able to do this? Because therein lies a lack of understanding on the consumer side of how technical it is, like what really is necessary in order for this to be leveraged in a personal and meaningful way. So I think what we're finding ourselves really in the middle of is this reality that AI is hard and technology companies lie <laughs> and consumers saying, give me an experience like this super easy, intuitive AI tool that's available for free. And marketers are going to have to figure out, I mean, the number of times I've been in a conference and a C-suite person, a CEO or a board member has come up to me and said, tell me about your AI stuff. Like we need an AI roadmap. I need to communicate what we're doing with AI and how we're investing in it without even an understanding of what they're actually asking for is tremendous. And so I think that's really when I'm talking about the age of AI, it's really the age of where we have to have an answer for our strategy for AI, even though it's been around for a really long time. There's so many interesting things you're saying in there. And what I'm relating it back to is this moment when there was a big transition over to internet, if you will, just broadly, how do we use the internet? It's, it almost feels the same, right? How do we deploy the internet in our marketing strategies today? What do you want to think about it, right? It's, it's, of course, foundational to what we do. The other piece that's sort of scary is, let's call these the potential dinosaurs of the current technology landscape. I'm a SaaS person, been a SaaS person for 20 years, love SaaS, great business model. Guess what? We're not evolving fast enough, right? And you have these things like PLG motion. So I'll give an example, clay.com. Have you heard of clay.com before, Amanda? I have. I absolutely have. Yeah. They weren't around a year ago, right? So they, they sort of have just eclipsed this idea of your typical development cycle, and they are using AI as the core delivery mechanism for their product. So what I'm hearing for you is, I think what we talked about a second ago, right, which is how fluid things are. But ultimately, what we're talking about is how do CMOs adapt? And it feels like you're talking about really three things here. One is, hey, your rev tech stack, your martech sales tech stack, whatever you want to call it, that's probably got to evolve a bit. Absolutely. Your overall strategy, by the way, likely has to adapt. In other words, how are you as a CMO adapting with AI? And then finally, how's your staff adapt? 
All right, that's it. End of the episode. Thank you so much for attending. I'm kidding. Amanda, so <laughs> unpack that for us today, right? So where do we go from here? Like, how would you help other CMOs prioritize? Would you have them start with operational? Would you have them start with their tech stack? Where would you put them? I mean, I think in all cases, it start with the biggest problem. Like, where is your organization really struggling to scale? And at the end of the day, AI is an answer to scale issues. So it's really funny because a lot of times I hear like, are content people worried about their jobs? And I will say, I've not met a single content person yet that says they don't have enough work to do. And so they're worried about AI taking their jobs. There's so much content that we need to create. And a lot of times it's not valuable. And so when you look at the number of articles or blogs or social media posts that create any value for your customers, it's usually a very, very small number of assets. And so we have this opportunity to focus our time, effort, and energy on quality, but then do things like automate where we need scale, like long tail keywords, for example. I would say that really insights and analytics and reporting, we spend a lot of time, particularly we spend a lot of time crunching data and trying to understand the intent or the outcome or derive some kind of insight to share with our organization. I think about our our win-loss reviews, our customer win-loss data. We go through thousands of calls and Salesforce opportunities and all these things. And it takes us a couple weeks, if not a month, to pull together insights that then we present to the company. And that's something that AI is going to be able to do maybe in an hour. And that is incredibly valuable. I think we've all had that moment, that experience, especially with ChatGPT or Claude or Bard, whatever your chosen large language model is. We've all had that moment where we realize, even in the age of AI, let's say the last year, We've had that moment where we're like, oh my God, I could have been doing this here, right? So that's really what you're talking about. It's having this really big, difficult to gather data set. Win-loss analysis, getting that together is hard. It's expensive, it takes time, and it's incredibly valuable. So AI can't replace that piece, right, Amanda? But what it can do is it can take all that data, you can enter it and be like, tell me what the heck is going on. Yeah, and there are, I mean, again, like if we talk about the journey, say like by the end of the year, I want my win-loss program completely run by AI. That absolutely, I do believe is possible theoretically, like technologically that should be possible. But then there's the actually, how do we implement it? So yes, start with the data analysis and start with the insights. But if you genuinely believe that win-loss is something that needs to be run automatically at scale, because it's not something that you have or need the human intelligence for, then there are there are ways where you can do automated surveys using AI. You could do recorded Q&A conversations. I mean, I don't know if you've had the call spam blocker from Google ever have a conversation with you, but it's freakily conversational and human. So we are absolutely going to get to the place where even win-loss, we could create a survey program and execute that through an AI-based conversation, either in a chat or an email or even a voice conversation, capture the responses to that data, and then consume it into some kind of reporting and actually provide it to marketers eventually. We're not there yet, but that's why it's super important to start where we are today so that you fully understand the capabilities of this technology and are building strategies that incorporate the evolution of this over the next couple of years. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. 
And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Let's spend some time on data and analytics if we can. We talked about a use case that I thought was really interesting, right? It's this idea of getting together very difficult to gather data, in this case, win-loss. Mm. I recently met with a group of CIOs, snooze fest, <laughs> met with a group of CIOs, fascinating people, didn't fall asleep in my soup at all, not once. But what I got from them was they're probably in the forefront of adapting AI more than any other leadership layer in most companies, not a shock. Back to data analysis, they were seeing large language models as a big step towards self-service analytics. So self-service BI, if you will. Where do you think that's gonna play? So we're in this data space, we're in this data analytics space, are we getting closer and closer to actually being able to divine the secrets that are hidden in data at this point? Absolutely. I think we are. I mean, I see it live in our own data set. So for, we focus on B2C e-commerce companies. And so one of the things they often want to understand is what is my most high value segment? That is a question that's formed in someone's mind. But then in order to answer that question, they have to go through a series of dashboards and reports and they notice something and they believe that it's a segment. And so they create another filter and they try to understand, does this segment look different than this segment? And so that I can really understand, like, am I answering the question? What is my most high value segment? You can actually ask our platform that today and our platform will give you an answer because AI does all of the cohort analysis and they understand the channels. It crunches like in milliseconds, the revenue that you're getting by campaign type and what the association is between customer profile types. It is absolutely amazing what this new Gen AI is able to do. Yes. And it does feel like there are shortcuts there. But I think that we're sort of circling around a few ideas here, Amanda. But at the end of the day, it feels like there's some places where the CMOs could easily slip. That's our topic today. So again, all CMOs, according to Amanda, are going to completely fail in the uh, debate. I'm kidding, Amanda. But hopefully not all. If you're one of those CMOs listening in today going, okay, what am I looking out for if I am on that pathway? What are some of the heuristics, if you will, some of the early indicators that you're maybe on the wrong trail? What are some of those failure points for CMOs to look out for? I would say the soapbox that I get on most often is don't leave the discovery of AI to your teams. Do not do what we've all done with Instagram and TikTok and say, let the new kids figure out how to use this tech. You have to get invested. You've got to figure out how to use it in your daily life. You've got to build a deep understanding as exactly as you mentioned earlier, like the internet has become something that we have had to learn. It is a tool that I deeply understand the impact of how to use, how to build analytics and KPIs around it, how to implement it into our teams, why it's important. I would take mobile. I think mobile is an example of where a lot of CMOs have not done a good enough job understanding how to use it. Like the number of B2B CMOs that still don't use SMS in an effective way, even though it's one of the fastest growing response channels. 
We cannot be in a place where we leave the discovery and learning and understanding of AI to somebody else because it is going to be foundational to our jobs. That for me is the biggest, maybe easiest one, because at this point it's like just there's so many things like clay that you can jump in and just start using and figuring out. The point is in this, you will fail. So I guess I guess in your statement of 100% of CMOs will fail, that is true. When you start using it and figuring it out, you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, but get in. I think that's great advice. The analogy that keeps popping in my head is, and you nailed it, Amanda, it's back in the day when we would hire a social media manager. You remember this? Yeah, exactly. I don't think that we're that close with hiring AI managers, but I think your point's a valid one. So you, you need to get in there. And this is part of, I think, what we've been talking about, right? It's so fluid. It's changing so quickly. We talked about Claude. Claude, you're welcome. My check can be sent to 123 Main Street. <laughs> when we talked about Claude as an example, we talked about Clay as well, uh, of applications that have popped up really quickly and that are providing a lot of value. And guess what? We're still figuring out how to apply them in our day-to-day work. But I will tell you, they have application across a number of channels. If you want to activate your prospecting channel, clay.com is a fantastic tool. It's a good example. So one, dig in, be involved, don't outsource it. What else would it be looking for from a heuristic standpoint, Amanda? Things we shouldn't do. I think that the next thing that we're really going to notice is the CMOs that are bad with data management or that haven't cared or paid attention to or really invested in data management. And the food for AI is data. So your CEO, if it's not you, has someone in the company trying to figure out how to use AI for insights and analytics because your CEO is tired of asking you what campaign is best performing. They want to be able to ask AI that. They believe that they will be able to. They're going to implement it into Salesforce. They're going to ask Salesforce what campaign is performing best. And Salesforce is going to give them a very stupid answer if your data management strategy and your integrations are not on point. So start working on that now. Do not wait for the problem. You have little faith in the capabilities of Einstein, Amanda. Come on. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they're going to answer every question perfectly. Yeah, but you're right. It's not a large language model or a capabilities issue. It is the quality of your data. I think... Gosh, we could probably talk for the next hour just about data quality and how I think, and I agree with you, Amanda, that is going to catch a lot of CMOs off guard because frankly, they're competitors and they don't even realize it who have clean data sets, who have great data hygiene, have great data hierarchies, all of those things. And by the way, a history of being able to query that data. So when they actually apply a large language model, they're going to get to the right data. Those who have bad data sets, bad data layers, I agree. They got a problem coming up. Okay. Now that we've scared every CMO who dropped off this uh, episode at this point, what I'd love to do is have you give us a look ahead. What do you foresee as the role of the CMO in the continued integration of AI into marketing strategies? You talked before a little bit about get in there and get hands dirty. Do you see that as being their role going forward? I think that's the expectation. I don't know about the role. I think encouraging testing and innovation and trying and failing and all those things is always the role of the CMO. And I would say that intrinsically, we're pretty good at that as a community. I think the role going forward is really going to be ruthless prioritization on the things that need human influence, human intelligence, human management, and allowing and optimizing everything else for scale and automation. Because the differentiation is going to come in that unique human touch in the areas that are going to matter. And you're going to win when you can scale and automate everything else. Assuming you've got the data set that you could feel confident in. That's right. Final question for you, Amanda. I've learned a ton here today. I really appreciate you being on. Let's talk about that ruthless evaluation. I love that word. I think it applies also because capital markets have created scary stuff for marketers or budgets getting smaller, right? A lot more pressure on funding and therefore our performance. 
How are you differentiating between underperforming and, and performing campaigns or channels? Is this a unit economics conversation or is this just straight up ROI? How are you looking at channel performance? Particularly in B2B, this is really difficult because we have longer sales cycles. We have multiple customers across an opportunity that have multiple points of engagement and multi-touch attribution, though with Gen AI, this, we may finally crack this, but multi-touch attribution has forever been the curse word of particularly B2B marketing, maybe B2C a little as well, but attribution always seems like a zero-sum game for the effort. And what is really frustrating is that we have gotten to a place where it's like, we've got to do all the things. And the way that we know the things are working is that they're percent better than they were before at an individual or collective level. And I do think that AI will automate a lot of those small percent better changes. And so where we're going to be able to actually identify the big impact pieces, some of this will be going back to gut. Like, where do I want to make a big bet? We just launched this brand campaign called Be Limitless. There's not a lot of data around whether or not this is a great idea. Some of it is us going with gut and saying, this is what the competitive landscape looks like. This is what we've heard from our customers. And we're going to make a bet on this being how we win. I could be looking for a new job soon. <laughs> we don't, we'll see. How you feel about that gut? I think, Amanda, that's the end of the day. The question we're asking, really, and what we talked about in the beginning, it is uh, marketers have fallen into, understandably so, because guess what I just said? Unit economics, right? How do we think about our performance? We're analysts at the end of the day. We're really good at the analytical piece. We've got to get it better at the brand storytelling, which relies on what? Left brain versus right brain. Depends on gut. So, Amanda, we wish you the best with the campaign. If you are, for some reason, not the CMO in a week or two, come back on the podcast for us. You're a great guest. <laughs> Thanks. I'll keep that in mind. All right. Permanent podcast guest, Amanda, thank you for being with us today. Okay, that wraps up this CMO gossip episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Amanda Cole, Chief Marketing Officer at Bloom Reach, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Amanda and I are going to dig in and talk about how CMOs navigate the complexities of digital. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Amanda, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at Amanda, J-E-L-A-M, or visit her company website at bloomreach.com. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Market Advocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap. B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.